Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the best bits of the week with Morgan number two. What is up, y'all? Happy weekend. It's another weekend, which means another best bits. And I'm so excited. This weekend, I had on Abby for part one, and we had a super fun conversation. We both got done with it, and we're like, that one felt really good. It's because it was like a full-blown conversation with us. It wasn't just like this interview, because sometimes we get in that mode, and it's just like interview, get through it. But Abby and I were having like full-on conversations, sharing some updates in life. We talked about some things we randomly have collected in our lifetimes, and the things that we don't understand why people obsess over. So just fun conversations like you're listening to a friend. So I hope you go check out part one. But we're going to dive into the biggest segments from the Bobby Bone Show this week. Eddie shared an update on his No Parenting Sunday and how that's been going. Plus, if they're going to keep doing it, yeah, we got to know the real details and how his family even feels about it, too. Number seven. Right, let's check in with Eddie on No Parenting Sundays. Because I have a story coming up. It's why we're doing it today. Mm-hmm. How has it gone the last couple weekends? It's gone great. Like, we're not so hyper-focused on, like, ooh, let's do no parenting Sunday anymore. Now I think it's just the routine of being chill on Sunday. No lessons. Like, really, rarely are we telling them, hey, guys, clean up your room. Do whatever. It's just kind of like, let's just do our thing. I'm going to be over here. You're going to be over there. Play in the neighborhood. I'll watch TV. Whatever. Do you think they know now, are they called like awesome dadless Sundays in their little group or anything? No, it's like the label's gone. It's so weird. The label's not even a thing anymore. It's just how we act on Sundays. And it's kind of cool. I'm telling you, dude, I think we've changed the culture around my house. Does it make Mondays a little more... Chaotic? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, we got... Drill Sergeant Monday? Clean up, <laughs> clean up Monday. <laughs> yeah, lessons yeah, yeah, galore. Yeah, yes. Sucky Monday. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this story reminded me of that. A couple's revealed they won't force their three young children to read or write or even make them have a bedtime. They believe in child autonomy. Their kids, 12, 8, and 4, make all their own decisions. Well, that's dangerous. Yes. Wow. The mom has revealed that her kids have no fixed schedule, no fixed bedtime, no fixed meal times, and what she says is unschooling. The couple have shunned the cruel and lazy labels thrown at them by other parents, and they said, we're not being lazy. 
it's actually harder for us to do because we got to maintain no maintenance. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem that hard. But this oh. is like every day of the This is just yeah. life? Yeah, it's not just Sunday, Eddie. Wow. That's, that's every that's day. Hardcore. Our son was 10 years old when he began taking an interest in wanting to read and write. Oh, man. I'm shocked okay. that he took the interest. Yeah. He just picked up a pen and paper and taught himself, she says. The kids go to bed when they like, wake up when they like. We don't like alarms. We don't have set meal times. We just make food, and if they're hungry, they go and eat it. We never force our kids to do chores, chores, but we actively encourage them to help out, especially with others. They help us look after our animals, the garden, and keep the rooms tidy. That's no. from Daily Mail. I mean, gardening, that's... That's a, they got to be skill. such hippies. Oh, they got to be for such, sure. I mean, hippie, 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 dippy. And lazy. No. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. Oh, lazy for sure. I don't know if this is lazy yeah. more than No, no, it not is. the parents, the kids. Like, you, if you got tell it. a kid, got like, it, got it, got you it, don't it, have to do anything, they're going to be very lazy. I, I wonder if just these people, Adele and Matt, that are their names, if they had child autonomy, mm. I would assume not. And this is their new way of... And there's their homeschool for sure, right? If you're reading and writing themselves at ten, no, yeah, they don't do school. If no. they don't have to read or write, there's no school. <laughs> yeah, like literally, they're home. But nothing. even if you homeschool, don't you have to fill out some paper with the I don't know. And do you start kindergarten at government. ten then if you get an interest? <laughs> okay. Right, right, right. Yeah. I want to start school now, Dad. I'm yeah, and, and don't you have to? Right, don't you have to? The kids have to be in some sort of school. Yeah, there's some sort of curriculum or at least like guidelines you have to follow. Hey, how do they get into college? Say they want to go to college. Why would they want to go to college? Well, that's they, true. They never even heard of it. I guess if they wanted to, though, they could learn about it and then start studying for it. Wow. The other thing is free-range parenting, which I think is somewhere in the middle of what Eddie does and what this is. Yeah, Eddie's kind of free-range on Sundays, I would say. Free-range Sundays? it's just... It's one day it's out like of the week. It's like eight hours. Totally. And he also still steps in if he needs to. He, he might, still tells them they have to go to bed at a certain time. Well, correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I do mean, you make them food and say, eat now, or do you just leave it on the table? No, like, I say, hey, guys, we got lunch. If you want to eat it, there it is. Is the lunch worse, though? Is it like just like bologna sandwiches? No, man, it's just normal. Like some, I mean, some days I want to eat a good lunch, you know? Like I do barbecue. Hey, barbecue's ready if you want it. Do they never not eat? No, dude, they go right for the barbecue. They love it. Which kid do you worry about the most? Uh, my oldest. Really? I don't see him all day. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> hey, no parenting Sunday, dude. Hey. I don't exist. If my wife had no wifing Sunday, <laughs> she'd probably not see me the whole day either. I'll be honest with you. It's the best bits of the week show. with Morgan number two. We had Tenille Towns on the show this week, and she is one of my favorites. She has such a unique voice, and it's so fun to hear something so different. And she came in, not only did she perform one of her songs, but she also performed a cover of Landslide that was stunning. Now, you can't hear the performance here, but it's on our YouTube page, at Bobby Bone Show, that you can go check out and see her full performance. But also, her interview was super interesting. She's from Canada, and she went up there, and she did this whole train concert tour performance thing, where she basically lived on a train for 15 days and toured in a bunch of different cities, and people would come and see her, and she'd perform in the train car. Wild, like coolest experience ever. I kind of wish I was along for the ride. Number six, it's a Bobby Bones show interview. In case you didn't know, when it comes to artists who I'm just a massive fan of personally, Tennille Towns is one of those artists. You would know her from Somebody's Daughter, Somebody's Daughter, Somebody's Daughter, or Jersey on the Wall. got the train track work tapes where she was on a train. She recorded them all. She'll tell us about that. I mean, I'm such a massive fan that I I took her on the road with me and was just like, I know you're better than me, but go and just destroy the audiences. And she did. Big fan. Here she is, Tennille Towns. Go. 
on the Bobby Bones Show now. Tennille Towns. Tennille, how are you? I'm good. good how are you, Bobby? I'm good. It's good to see you. This new guitar is fancy. Is that, oh, thank you. Did you... Is that art you drew, or is that because it's like there's like a river or something on it? Yeah. Or? Okay. Well, the straight lines of the sun rays are the extent of my artistic painting ability. The rest was my friend Lewis who did it. Who, He's pretty awesome. What happened to the other guitar that you were doing all the work on? Well, that one was for the Lemonade Stand, so that was like for that record, and now this one's for Masquerades, and it's got some empty spaces on here to keep filling it up with the next stuff. So, so. every project you yeah. do a new guitar. That's the plan. Every record, full record, will get a little time cap guitar to go with it. Dang, that's pretty cool. What's the guitar you're making for this show appearance? <laughs> Aren't we that valuable, guys? Listen, like, yeah. you have its own guitar I'm just going to get you a pen, yeah. and you guys can all... No, uh, <laughs> we don't want to be a part of your art there. So I'm a massive Tennille Towns fan, and with you coming in, would you briefly, before you play a song, would you tell us about this train trip and kind of how this whole project came together? Yes, thank you for having me today. Um, okay, so I rode this train. No, do it, do that while you're talking, though. We like it. You oh, started to play you, music. You, yeah, you like the accompaniment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Don't you guys good. like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's get a little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go a little vibe going here. <laughs> um, okay, so I got on the train in Montreal and I rode it all the way to Calgary. We, how far is that? So it's a couple thousand miles. And we played, so was, we lived on this train for 15 days, and we played 65 shows. So some days... Well, you lived on a train. Yeah, I lived Was on it a like train. where you had the stick on a, a bag on a stick, and you jumped on it <laughs> as it was going, and then you lived in a cart? I wish we could have done the run and jump on, mm. like that's what I wanted, but that was not with safety protocol, so no. <laughs> but um, How do you play shows on a train? So literally one of the stage cars was, or one of the box cars was a stage. So it would roll into the town and everybody would gather around and they knew when the train was coming through their town and like the door would just fold down and then we'd put the mic stands out there and we'd go play and then we would like say goodbye and the the door would fold back up and we'd roll to the next town like 20 minutes down the track. So some days we were playing five or six shows a day and a lot of these shows were in like minus 31 degree Celsius weather and like people were so resilient. It was the most incredible thing and everyone it was a free show but everyone who came brought a donation for their local food bank so it was like witnessing the best parts of the human spirit and I'm standing up there seeing everyone bundled up and the freezing cold weather just like showing up for their friends and neighbors and I was so inspired I had to start writing so I wrote a bunch of songs in the mornings before the shows would start and then a couple days into it I was like we got a couple laptops and like we could borrow some some gear from the stage car what if we figured out how to like record some stuff on this train while we're moving down the tracks so so the whole purpose of this was to give back yeah now you said some things i don't understand first of all <laughs> celsius <laughs> first, first of all okay i don't know it starts to even out i can't remember at what degree but i want to say it was like minus 25 or something fahrenheit okay oh my. yeah the second thing was you said two places and I like to apologize to all of our Canadian listeners because we're on in a lot of places in Canada too. <laughs> but you you said two places from this place to that place. So what were the two places again? Montreal to Calgary. Do that America though, distance wise. Distance wise. Okay, so Calgary's like north of Montana. Okay. And Montreal is like New York ish. Okay, but up a little more too. But up, yeah. Okay, so, okay, it's a long train ride. It's wow, a long wow. train ride. Is yeah. it like a, a tour bus? Because whenever we have to go back on the road in a bus, the first couple of days I don't like it because I feel like I'm shaking as we're driving and I'm sleeping. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes we have to side. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I want to die. Yes. Is it hard to sleep on a train? 
So it was it was very shaky, but you got used to it a couple of days in. Same kind of thing. The, the difference between a tour bus is there was a lot more space to like for all of us to spread out. There were like there was a lounge car, there was a caboose where we set up a little recording studio, but then everyone had their own tiny little room, which is was a lot more spacious than like a bunk. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get as stir crazy as we we were nervous getting on that thing because you don't really get off the train. We got off once to go to like a Legion, like at, after the last show at night. But other than that, you're pretty much kind of just on the train. One day, I think we clocked like like nine thousand steps or something just going on the train. On the train, Do you have to jump from cart to cart, and there's a chance you fall off. You know, in the middle of the two carts, <laughs> you know, I have to jump over. There, and there's the ground yeah. below you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. where like, they say, like, mind the gap. Yeah, no, there was definitely, you had to, it would be a greater risk of slipping on the ice and the snow that was blowing between the cars. Yeah. But it was closed off. So you wouldn't, you weren't going to yeah. fall off the train, but you could. You could definitely trip. <laughs> and how would they yell all aboard in Canada and do they yell it in French when you're in the French part? <laughs> I wish they yelled it at all. Not oh, one time. <laughs> Not one time did they say oh. all aboard, which okay. felt very like misleading. Okay, so now that we know the story. So me, that's the story. Think about this. She she goes and she lives on a train <laughs> all to to get food for people that are less fortunate. And now if I were to go like, I'm so surprised, I'll be lying because <laughs> Tanil's just what she's about is helping others constantly. <laughs> so I'm not surprised by any of this. I think I'd have been surprised. She was like, I did a train. I got paid 10 grand tonight. It was awesome. I'd be like, what? <laughs> Who are you? That's crazy. So what song are you going to do here? Okay, I'm going to do a song called Wheels, um, which is the last song on this EP called Train Track Work Tapes. And so... All of these are pretty acoustic, stripped down. This is the last song. And as we recorded the song in motion, so as you're listening, you can hear all of the creaks. And like at one point, we hit some kind of bump. <laughs> you can definitely hear that in the track. And at the end, it, we did it all in one complete pass. And we passed by the crossing. And the bells happened, thank God, like just at the end of the last note. We all looked at each other. We were like, I, we're not doing that again. Like, that was it. This is it. We got it. So this song is kind of like, this one is very honest to me in the sense of I struggle very much with the high of being on the road and then coming home and doing laundry and being in the quiet of that. And um, I was in the middle of this train trip, literally having the time of my life, and I was just dreading the ending. You know, and you've like looked forward to something. And It's me at work every day. You're just. I get here. <laughs> you don't and I just want don't it to be home. over. Yeah. I know, right? About that, yeah. That's such. Honestly, that's a great sign that you're doing the thing you love. But it's it's definitely a weird, weird feeling to dread the end. So that's what this song's about. So this is called Wheels. This is called Wheels. And this is from the train track work tapes. Yeah. Just want to make sure everybody knows it before you start again. Thank you for that. Wheels. I train it. Wheels. track work tapes. Here is <laughs> Tennille Towns. All right. On Tennille Towns in studio. That's called Wheels. It is on her new project that's out now called Train Track Work Tapes. Go stream it. Uh, I have another segment that I want to do with you. Sure, yeah. And I don't even mind like throwing stuff at you because I feel like we know each other at this yes. point pretty well. <laughs> um, when we come back, I know there's a cover on this Train Track Work Tapes? Yeah. I don't want to say what it is yet. Will you do that for us? I would love to. Okay, cool. All right, you're going you're gonna to love it. <laughs> it's a, it's a, what it is. Well, it's a great song. It's one of the greatest songs ever of all time. And she crushes that because I've heard her do it before. Tennille has the Train Track Work Tapes, which you really recorded and wrote while on a train traveling across the land to help other people eat. That's literally <laughs> to it. To help other wow. people eat. Wow, yeah, what she, a She's collecting food for food banks. and <laughs> So this is uh, Home to Me. No, I can't help it. 
This is uh, Pieces of My Heart. Pieces of my heart. That's probably my favorite one. Oh, like pieces of my heart makes me feel funny. like. Yeah. So in track three, I'm just gonna have you play if you're cool with it. I'd be honored. And the first time I heard Tanil play this, I think we were all backstage because Tanil came on the road with me for a while where we did shows and we did. I, I just remember Tanil being so good and <laughs> she would like tear the crowd it, their hearts out and then had gone to be funny and I was like it's the best and worst decision ever made because the best decision is Tenille just murders a crowd and they, they fall in love with her and how good she is but then she's got them so emotional that I come on to tell jokes and they're just not in the right headspace for it so but we set back me, Eddie, Tenille yes. um, I think it's whoever I don't know Garth is back there George Strait yeah, sure. yeah, yeah they were all our buddies you know <laughs> and just passing a guitar around to Tenille play that was this. really fun that was that was like a really fun time like I just really that, that, that's kind of like one of those rare magic moments in a dressing room that I feel like you can kind of count on one hand and yeah. I loved that we just passed the guitar around it was so awesome and she played this <laughs> and I remember going oh man one day I'm gonna ever play it here so I'm not even gonna say what it is Tenille you play it here is this is track three on the train track work tapes but here is Tenille Towns oh, wow. come on Okay. Hey, let me ask you a question yeah. before we do uncomfortable questions. Okay. And this is kind of inside baseball. But so of all these songs on the train track work tapes, which I hope everybody goes and streams, Thanks. I'm going to put one as like our national countdown song, and then I'm going to put it on a different show that I do, a national show. Which one do you want featured? Thank you. No, not thank you. Which one do you want? Because oh. I'll pick whichever one you like. But wow. you, get, you get to pick one. I get to pick one. And I'll put it on both the national shows. Do you Dang. want Home to Me, Pieces of My Heart, <laughs> uh, Coming Together, Wheels? Which one? Let's do Home to Me. Okay. So, Mike, got that? Got put that on both of them. Thank you. That's okay. So cool. Now, uncomfortable questions. So I give, but then I take. <laughs> then, all right. <laughs> I do that? Oh, I'm buckling yeah. up. Yeah, I'm I ready. give, then I take. Uh, they're not that <laughs> uncomfortable for you because everybody likes you. Question one <laughs> Is Tennille Town sad all the time? <laughs> <laughs> yes, always. <laughs> okay, okay. It's like, you know, underneath and at the same time as absolute joy everywhere mm -hmm. I go is just kind of underneath. How tall is Tennille Towns? Ooh, 5'2 on a good day. Yeah. When you wear boots. That's five... more like 5'4 maybe. Okay. Yeah. Does Tennille Towns have any secret talents? Mm. I'm, it's kind of weird, but I grew up water skiing with my family, and my dad was kind of like a competitive water skier, so therefore I can like slalom ski kind of half decently. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There are two more. Okay. Uh, what's the worst part of being a country singer? Like, what's the worst part of the job of being a country singer? Photo shoots, getting your picture taken all the time. I just want to sing songs for people. <laughs> Cameras are like the worst thing ever. <laughs> and the final one, and I tell you, I didn't know this till I was looking at. Hey, Ray, can you play a clip of the thing that wrecks you? It's Tennille and Brian Adams. Play a clip of that, please. <laughs> it looks just like a dream so this question is based off somebody who I who saw the writing credits where your last name is not listed as Towns. Interesting. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but wow, good how, to know. And the question was, how does she pronounce her real last <laughs> name? Yeah, it's basically, yeah, it's, it's Nad Kronishny, which sounds like a sneeze, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's got enough letters for the Mickey Mouse theme song. <laughs> Nad Kronishny. That's right, yeah. I wish that was my name. Dang. That's a cool name. You a could, cool one. <laughs> Thanks, Dang, guys. And Nad is at the beginning of it. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Tanil, you know you are the best. Oh, I you, love you, you guys. Always Thanks can, for having whatever me. Whatever you got going on, you can always come in here. I appreciate it. And you. you're the best. And Okay, so everybody, go and check out <laughs> Train Track Work Tapes and follow Tanil at Tanil Towns, T-O-W-N-E-S. And 
I think we've said it all. Amy, anything you want to say? Just recording on a train? Like, has it inspired you to think, hmm, where else a can boat. I? Literally. Yeah. Let's go River on sessions. a trip. What? Skydiving. Oh, river sessions, Some plane river sessions. Se- <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. What other work tapes. Mo- modes of transportation are there? I mean, the Uber tapes. Oh, there you go. Oh, Uber to the next. Yeah. Let's go. That's I a good that. one. <laughs> anything else? Awesome. The scooter sessions? Uh, okay. Submarine sounds. Oh. <laughs> Now we're really I mean, getting all right. somewhere. Yes. <laughs> all right, you guys, Tennille Towns, check it out. Tennille, thank you very much. There thank she is. Nice you. job. Woo. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> it's the best bits of the week with Morgan number two. Our iHeart Country Festival was last weekend and it was so epic. Listen, if you've never been before, I highly encourage and suggest that you go next year and all the years following. It's the best time. We had so many epic performances and I'm sure you guys are tired of seeing all of our photos from it, but still go check them out if you haven't seen them. But our young listener, LJ, also got to have an epic time at the festival. He had called in, well, his mom particularly called in and she told us she wanted to surprise him with tickets to the show. And so Bobby did. But more than that, he also invited LJ and his family to come hang out backstage and hang out with Bobby and the show and meet a bunch of country artists. So basically, LJ had the VIP lifestyle in Austin. And we have all the photos from it. His mom sent me basically a photo album. And it's on bobbybones.com, which was so cool. But you can hear a little bit about Bobby talking about their time together and what that was like. Number five. We had an excellent weekend. We mentioned it earlier, but our I Heart Country Festival was Saturday night. It's just so fun because everybody's together. It's one hit after another. If you get a chance to go next year, you should go because that stage flips. You don't have to wait for 30 minutes for the next act. It's just, I used to go to the horse races as a kid in Hot Springs at Oaklawn, and I'd sneak in. And I couldn't bet, so I'd have to beg some dude to take $2 and go bet for me. And they'd run the race, and you wait 30 minutes for the next race. <laughs> yeah, it takes forever. <laughs> I hated that. So this is the opposite of that. I Heart Country Festival is the opposite of Oaklawn racing in Hot Springs. <laughs> yes. yes. So we went, it was amazing, and I had some stuff to talk about, but mostly, I just think sometimes how Lunchbox sees the world is so funny. Ray, would you play a clip of Brothers Osborne, please? No, it ain't my fault. No, it ain't they were the surprise act. They came out and did a few songs, and I love them. Went and hung out with them after the show. Like, personally, just, those are two dudes I love. So, Lunchbox, I'll just let you say it, and then then we will talk about your opinion of it. Go ahead. I'm worried about Brothers Osborne and their money situation. I'm starting to think they might need a second job or they've whatever they made, they've lost mm-hmm. and they were broke. Why is that? Because I showed up at the airport yesterday morning uh, to board my flight to come back and they were flying southwest. Like they had to sit there and like the cat, you know, line up when they're A1 through 30 and they had to line up in their little number. They had to get on southwest, pick their seat. And I'm like, Guys, this is not good. Like, I thought by now they'd be rich and making a lot of money, but obviously it's not going well. Obviously, that's not the truth. (laughs) Obviously. Because there was a lot of artists there last night or the other night, and they were the only ones on Southwest. That's actually not true. Not true at all. Not true at all. Eddie, who was on your flight? Kane Brown. I think he's doing pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell Tenpenny, Jordan Davis, all on my flight. So it, it's an easy flight from Austin to Nashville, oh. and so they just flew it back. <laughs> and, I, and they didn't even sit next to each other on the plane. Like they were, one of them oh. was mad at the other one for spending too much money. Like, oh, so now you think they're beefing <laughs> like, because they yeah they were kind of like, oh, you're the one that spends all the money. That's why we have to fly on a regular plane with regular people. And oh, so you saw them and literally thought they've been irresponsible with their money. Yeah. What I, if that's super responsible with their money though? 
That's uh, that's the difference. Like they're not wasting their money. Good yeah, point. That's super responsible with money. Like John had his headphones on, didn't even talk to his brother the whole time. Also, now you want to change up. You're pivoting, <laughs> and now it's no, no. I'm just saying. Like, I mean, it, or he didn't want to hear people talking about how they have money problems, so he just mm. put the headphones on. I was just worried about them, and so I sent you a little note. I, you know, just mm-hmm. saying, hey, like, do we need to look out for him? Do we need to? What do we need to do? Go fund me? Like, yeah. Do we need to download a song or something? Does no that... one's really downloaded a song <laughs> in 20 years, but I get does. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still on his iPod. That'd be nice, though. What are you gonna say? Well, I don't. I don't like feeding into lunchboxes narratives however oh, in one of my backstage interviews with them uh they did say they do therapy together like as a band but like, they're supposed for, to but, oh, that's well, different than therapy by yourself he says they're not getting along but they're brothers wait so they're really fighting over money no, I have no, no the idea. Money, all this is made up. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm going to tell you both. I was with them after the show, and you know what? Everybody was getting along fine. fine. Yes. I would think there are, I think Lady A has done that, that they've talked about. A lot of bands that I know or groups have talked uh, have done it, but the people that I know that have said it publicly, Lady A, uh, very famously, Paramore did it for a long time. Okay. So it is common for anyone in the group dynamic because you're on the road so much together to go and make sure that the relationships are as healthy as can be. So so should we all do therapy together? No, we nah, go on the road together. We do for four hours, but, five but, hours, whatever it is, and we go home. Yeah, we're good. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm busy. Just a thought. And those two are like equal. They got to figure out that dynamic. The bands are equal. You know, Hillary, Charles, Dave, they're equal. They got to figure out that dynamic. This ain't that equal. <laughs> We're not equal. This ain't that equal. <laughs> I, I tell you, Brothers Osborne, not, not having money problems. Mm-mm. Probably smart with money. Yeah. And I think it's pretty healthy they're going to therapy. If they're brothers and yeah. they're working together. So, okay. But thank you, though. I almost slid them a five each just to help them out. Like, There's hey, no man. chance you would even give anybody five each. You're right. but Eddie, Kane Brown was on your flight? He was. And I started to freak out because like, when I saw Kane Brown, Jordan Davis, and Mitchell Tenpenny come on the plane, I'm like, oh, my gosh. If this plane goes down, it's the day the music died. If this plane goes down, you ain't making the headline, buddy. <laughs> well, that's for sure. I wasn't going to make that headline. I mean, I don't even get mentioned in that headline. <laughs> so the day the music died, Amy, let me check your music knowledge mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Do you know it? Oh, yeah. Okay, then don't, I'm not asking you. I, Lunchbox, the day the music died, who died? La Bamba. Ooh. Okay, close. go ahead. That's all I know. Oh, Richie Valen. That is La Bamba. That's La Bamba. Ah, dang. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the guy that with your glasses. Go ahead, his Holly. name. Holly. Holly who? Buddy Holly. Correct? There you go. Yeah. Go ahead. And one more. There's a statue in Lubbock. Over Hello, there. baby. Uh, um, Chantilly Lace. Bear, uh, that pretty Barry, face. Barry King. Uh, Barry King. That's right. Nice job. No, it's not Barry King. The Big King. Bopper. <laughs> oh, yeah, Barry. What's his name? The uh, Big Bopper. The Big Bear- Bopper. But what's his real name? No, don't they don't know. His real name was like J.P. Richardson or something, but nobody oh, knows Oh, it's him not the... Well, who am I thinking of then? I, I can't tell you that because I'm not thinking <laughs> Barry like, Switzer? Lewis? Manilow? No, no, I know Barry Manilow's alive. Uh-huh. I saw him. What? Where? With Lady Gaga, right? And he the old guy? No, that's uh, Tony, Bennett. Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. Okay, see, we got to oh get out gosh. of this one. Oh, my God. Same difference. We're walking down a wormhole we don't want to have to fight our way out of. Um, where are we going to You good? What were you going to say? I was just trying to think. I didn't know the third one. I knew Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, but. Big Bopper only had one song and was not as. Yeah. Do you, do you know who lived? Yes, Waylon Jennings. Flipped a coin. Oh, yes. Lived because he didn't get on the he plane. Was, he was going to get on the plane. Right, but who got his 
coin toss? Did, did the seat go to someone else? It did. It went to bro- one was- of the brothers Osborne, the third one. <laughs> oh. And, or did know. he flip it like, should I go? Uh, the other seat, uh, was it Buddy Holly maybe? I don't know. I don't know. If they. I don't know. That's so tragic, yeah. And that plane, it was snowy anyway, small plane, crashed. In Iowa. Oh, yep. That's right. In Clear Lake, Iowa. Dang. Good for you, buddy. Not good for you. I know you know the music. Hey, but when I saw those guys get on the plane, I'm like, oh my god. You thought that was gonna be you on a Southwest flight? Yeah, I was freaking out. Do you if you do you feel weird if you have a thought about crashing? No. Before? Okay. I think about it all the time. Oh, oh, that's weird. I'm, oh yeah, I even talk about it when I'm up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told Jordan Davis, dude, if we die, it's the day the music died. Oh. That's did, did all the artists <laughs> sit by each other? Do they they sit in the same no. room? No. They didn't, if they didn't, they're feuding. And let's start a rumor. Dude, they were not sitting <laughs> together. So that means they were fighting. Mm-hmm. They had their oh. headphones on, talking to. <laughs> I would imagine if Kane, by the way, who's not having money problems, I promise you. I imagine if he gets on a plane like that, everybody wants to take pictures with him. No, no one bothered him. And he was with his wife. You're out of your mind. There's no way Kane Brown got on the plane and nobody bothered Dude, him. Dude, I saw Who him. Who else was on this flight? I was. Morgan. And he absolutely, there's multiple fans that went up to him and took pictures with him before the flight. <laughs> oh, oh, before the flight. I only saw him on the plane. Got it. Wait, Scuba, what? I said his move, and I saw it really smart. You get on the plane. I got in early with him. He immediately falls asleep on his wife's shoulder, so no one talks to him. Why'd you do finger quotes on falls asleep? Because I don't think he was really asleep at all. It was was early, though. It's the move. I gave him, I I made a, he was flying back the next day. I said, here, dude, and I handed him something to hide. It was some of those glasses with the mustache on it. Mm. Plastic glasses with the mustache. He wasn't wearing that. He wasn't? Uh No. Dang. Okay, it was a great festival. We'll talk a little more about it. We got a, Morgan wants to spill the tea about something she saw at the festival as well, or that, oh, the weekend. So she wants to tell on somebody, but we are out of time for that. We spent the weekend in Austin, Texas. Love it. Home. Shout out Austin. I mean, I love it. It's like when I go back to Austin, I'm just like, oh. it just feels like, I mean, I spent my entire young adult life there. And I know you guys grew up there. Yeah. So it just feels like, oh, like, <laughs> Like when, good. I, when I go back home, home to Arkansas, it's almost like this backpack of rocks is taken off of me. Mm. You're just like, oh. like I feel that way about Austin too. We go, I our country festival, and you know the very first artist we put a big headliner at the beginning of, and and it's Luke Bryan, and Luke comes out and shot out of a cannon as always. I got to shout Luke out too because there was a kid who his mom had called the show. It was his birthday. He's in a band called Kid Country. I'm wearing their sweatshirt now. Yeah. She was like, hey, I want to tell him he got tickets. She didn't ask for tickets. And so we told him that they got him tickets. And then I arranged for him to come backstage and just, you know, meet me and say hi to you guys. But then I just took him with me all backstage and I found Luke. And I was like, Luke, will you meet, t- you know, whatever. Uh, his name is Luke, too. LJ was his yeah, name, yeah. But like Luke Jr. And so Luke, Luke was all, Luke's awesome to everybody all the time. But, man, he came out. He, my Kind of Night, the live song. Here So that was fun. What a fun way to start it. Caitlin and I were sitting side stage. We wanted to watch Luke. Just such a good live performer. Go see him if he's you know, doing a show. I tell you, when Sam Hunt jumped in the crowd, because he jumped. Good thing he's an athlete and still has knees that work because he just <laughs> flew off the stage. So he's got his mic and Sam's doing his whole show and just launches into the crowd. And his security guy. Sam apparently does this a lot. Knew, I mean, he was security guys right on him, making sure that nobody was like grabbing Sam's private parts yeah. or his nipples or stuff, or just like touch it, pull, ripping oh, his shirt. Because yeah. people, I mean, I might, I might be honest with you, I might try that too. <laughs> but so Sam is in the crowd, and he did. He's doing house party, and the whole crowd's jumping up and down. Just such a cool show. So we're there. 
and I'm going to go to Morgan because Morgan wants to spill the tea basically on something that happened. Was it over the weekend at Iowa Country Festival or at the show? It was after the big show. Okay, so you guys went out? I didn't go out. I okay. was going back to the hotel because I had an early flight, but Lunchbox guilt tripped me into taking back all of his stuff, his backpack, everything was stuffed in there because he wanted to go out and party. And I had heels, like a nice dress on. He's like, hey, take my bag back to the hotel. I'm going to go out. But if he just he just asked you politely and nicely? Uh, no, he did at first. And I was like, hey, like I have a really heavy bag to carry. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. And then he was like, well, I'm not going to post on social media and stuff. You don't take my bag. Like a threat? Oh. Like he's not going to do his job <laughs> yes, if you don't do something me. personal for him? And I felt, I was like, well, I need him to post content. I need him to post on social media. So I guess I'll take his bag. So that affects, because that affects your job. Yes. So he was making you do something personal for him or he's going to hurt you at your job. Yes. He was guilt tripping me. Your thoughts, Lunchbox? My thought is, I mean, she has a ride back to the hotel. So she has to walk 10 feet to get in a vehicle. No, it's a long walk to get to anywhere where cars were. And... All she has you, to just, is, you just kept talking, but it's a long walk to get to, <laughs> even for us, it took us forever to get to our car. She throws on the backpack and carries her bag. My bag was not heavy at all. It was just a pair of shorts, a shirt, and some shoes. No big deal. I mean, I was nice enough to get to the, the venue early to help her, like, create content. I thought, oh, I scratch your back, you Morgan, scratch what mine. Are you doing? What are you saying? Uh, but he didn't. I asked him to get there earlier, and, <laughs> and he, he was didn't? like, "No, I'm not no, going to no. come that early." No, no. She asked me to get there at one o'clock, and I was like, "That would be I early. I don't need to be there till four, so I'll get there about two thirty. That's good. That's a good compromise, I, in my opinion. Like Listen I'm like, I, you know, and she was like, "Why can't you get there at one? How about two, how about one forty-five? I'm like, "Well, no, I, I'll get there an hour and a half early. That's pretty good." Did you say though that you will not do work for her unless she takes your stuff back? Yeah. Yeah. God. Okay. Well. Yeah. I was like, hey, you don't want to help me? I won't help you. No, but that's, that's sort of your job. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. But it's her job to be a, you know, a good friend. I was wearing heels. I had to walk oh, like four I, blocks with oh both my of my so bags. It's her job to be a good friend? Yeah. He's just saying things now. So what happened? Did She took the bag. Of course she did. She's nice. Would you have gone out, though, at all if he didn't have his bag? No, I wouldn't have gone out, but I just was mad because I felt like I had to do it to be able to get somebody to do their job. Mm -hmm. That's right. Welcome to my world. I mean, I, <laughs> it really, it's really the lesser people have to take care of the stars. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when, in a situation, when you're not as high on the totem pole, you have to kind of be like, okay, you know, the star needs something. I'll mm -hmm. help him. And he loves that totem so pole. So what if I would have been going out and I was like, lunchbox, I need to take all this crap back to my room? Well, if I was going back to the hotel, I would, I would have had to do it. But if no, I was, you wouldn't have. That's so dumb. No, no you, you wouldn't you have. You know what I'd have done? And I would have never done that and no, you wouldn't You know have. what I'd have done? There's no totem pole. I would have said, hey, Morgan, Bobby's going out. He packs it yeah. down the pole. <laughs> yeah, go down the pole. I mean, Amy or Eddie or Bobby, nobody asked me to take their stuff. No, it was no. just you. you know, I, they I were carried all my stuff back to the room, and then we went to eat after that. We went to they, Velvet Taco. Yeah, they were going back to the hotel. No, I we weren't. We actually wanted to go right to get Velvet Taco, but we had a bunch of stuff. And so instead of having somebody take it for us, we took it ourselves, mm. dropped it off, went back down, and then went and ate at Velvet Taco. Oh, Imagine that. Wow. Oh, man. Well, I was going straight to the bar. So, I mean, people weren't going to wait for me to go to the hotel, then meet them at the bar. Bar closes, man. We got to get yeah, there. Yeah, so does Velvet Taco probably before the bar closes. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, doesn't Thank you, matter. Morgan. I, I, said a, I sent a thank you text. Did he? Did you? Yeah, I said thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, Brothers Osborne was a surprise guest. Ain't my fault. Flame fire on a smoke, flame of fire on a bounce of that. Couldn't take a joke. And then Lunchbox came on the show today and said they were uh, having money problems. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because they flew Southwest back.
Right, and they weren't talking to each other, so probably mad about the money. One put headphones on and didn't say anything. <laughs> what time was your flight? 9.30. It was early, so you had to get there at 8.30, had to leave the hotel at 8 Yep. after being out all night. Yeah, uh-huh. you know. What a I, life. I completely get that they're probably tired and just sleepy. Uh, Kane Brown, bury me in Georgia. It was an awesome festival. Next year when we do it again, I hope you guys come. Highlight, Amy, do you have anything? Oh, well, I have the entire festival on my phone and my sister's phone because my son went, and he anybody that had a phone, he wanted to borrow it to record everything he was seeing. So, oh, you should watch it all back then. If you need a, re- if you need a recap. Screening at Amy's house. I've got festival. it. So that's my favorite part is just my family being able to, to be there. Eddie? Caitlin Brown coming out with Kane, with Kane. That was awesome. Like, we've talked about her doing that, but we got to see that. That was really cool. Yeah. Lunchbox? I'd just say, Morgan, taking my bag back nice. is probably my highlight. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that God. really made my night and made it special. Your wife didn't go. No. So did you go hard? Yeah. Did you get really drunk? Yeah, I went up Friday night and Saturday night. Met up with the boys. We, oh, yeah, we his high school off. boys. Did you get really I, drunk? I, I yeah. ran into them. Yeah, we ran into did we? Oh, yeah, yeah. They said that you ran into them. Uh, yeah, up top. I had to go do this thing for Mattress Firm where I had to, like, go through the crowd and end up in these chairs. And all of a sudden, I'm at the, the top trying to go down. And I see uh, see these, like, five boys walk by. And I'm like, oh, there's Lunchbox's high school buddies. <laughs> <laughs> the crew. It was great, man. Yeah. It was fun. Do you still do shots or do you drink? No, I saw Eddie holding a Cosmopolitan that Lunchbox... That, that's it, what he ordered. You grabbed it to show that he's not Mr. Shot Guy. Correct. No, no, we didn't do shots. That, that We were at a fancy bar, and the <laughs> boss was like, here, do you want a drink? And that was on their fancy bar, the, like the, their fancy list. And I was like, I guess I'll a take. a fancy list? Yeah. yeah. And that's when you're like, oh, I guess I got to drink a fancy drink. So you have a penne, got... penne taco while you're eating your No, they didn't have. <laughs> With a Cosmo. With a Cosmo. Yeah. <laughs> I think Lunchbox is starting to play a character more uh, and more. Uh, no, that, I do hey, shots. Then we went to Seven Grand afterwards, and we hang out and drink. And, man, it was good. I had some tacos there. It was delicious. No more Cosmos? No. No, Co- they didn't have Cosmos at that bar. Would you got one, though? Nah. No, of course that was, not. That's, 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 that's I, I don't even know what's in a Cosmo. Yeah, I just saw it on the fancy. I don't even remember it, actually. Yeah. I mean. It was uh, an amazing time. Everybody that came, thank you. I thought Jordan Davis's set was awesome where – Jordan and I are, like, pretty close friends, but I never get to see him perform because it's here. And we're just usually hanging out. And but it's the first time I've got to see him, like, play full band, the whole thing. And I was like, dang, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Who knew? I, well, <laughs> when he got off stage, I walked with him over to, back to his room, and I was like, who knew you got so good? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, dude, thanks for coming to my shows. Uh, here's Jordan Davis, Buy Dirt. And he's sneaky, has a bunch of number ones. It's just one after the other after. He's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah oh, yeah. Great show. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Or if you went to the theater and watched it, that was super cool, too. Or if you want to come to Amy's and watch it, she has it all on (laughs) her phone. We'll have a screening over there later. It's the best bits of the week with Morgan number two. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. 
Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Eddie had a super interesting experience with a homeless man, and it was a good one. The homeless man actually gave him something, which Eddie was surprised by, and it's all because Eddie drives a Jeep. Number four. Eddie, a homeless guy gave you something? Yeah, isn't that crazy? What happened? Well, I was uh, at a red light, and homeless guy's just walking by, and I usually just, like, roll down the window and talk to him. I don't, if I have change, I'll give him change, but I normally don't give him money. Also, you're in a Jeep where there's no top. Totally wide open. It's wide open. Anybody can talk to Mm -hmm. you. Right, right, right. So I'm just like, how's it going, man? He's like, where's your ducky? And I go, excuse me? You're a rubber ducky. You drive a Jeep. Jeeps all have rubber duckies. I'm like, oh, no one's ever given me a rubber ducky. I don't know. So he reaches in his pocket and pulls out a duck. He goes, here you go, man. Put that on your dash. I was like, that's amazing. The homeless guy gave me something. So now it's on my dash. And he had a ducky in his pocket. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Morgan, you have a Jeep. Do you have a ducky? Yeah, I have like six of them on my dashboard. Why would you never give Eddie one? That's rude. I did give him hey, one. Hey, that's American society you know, right there. You gave me a ducky. Rich get rich or poor, stay poor. You know what? what? I was he waiting for him. him to bring it up, and I ducked him one time, and you know what? I think he threw it away. Oh, that's what that was. She put it on my uh, door handle. You didn't know what it was? No idea. And I did throw it away. What did you think it was? I, I thought somebody pranked me. I'm like, I have no idea what you this is. You got ducked. <laughs> Morgan, so people give you ducks all the... What's the, I, I had a Jeep for a while, and the wave thing got annoying. 
Oh, like, yeah, yeah, I kept yeah. thinking I knew them, and I was like, "Who was that?" Oh god! You know what happens to me? I drive my wife's car. It's not a jeep, and I wave to people, and they don't wave back. I'm like, "Oh, you're I'm not used a jeep. to doing the jeep wave." Yes. <laughs> What's the duck thing, Morgan? It's basically them saying they like your jeep, so you they'll duck you and they'll leave a little note with it, or they may just leave a duck, and it's just like we ducked you because we like your jeep. So no one except for Morgan has ever ducked your. No jeep. one's ever ducked me. Your jeep's no. pretty cool. Except now a homeless guy ducked me. Well, you know why Morgan gets ducked. Hot chick. Well, my Jeep I mean, is just let's parked. Be real. No, they no. They so see they stalk her. Yeah, they see her get out of the Jeep like hot blonde. Let me. This is my in. I'm a ducker. Been waiting to duck her for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but they're they, not. They don't stick around to. Yeah, they do it when I'm not in the car. Right. It happens it's like, when it's like sitting in the parking lot. But they leave a note, lot. right? Is their phone number on the duck? No, it's just like sometimes people will do little stickers with them and be like, "This is my Jeep." That'd be the way to do they it. Leave, leave a number note. or an Instagram name. No, or that's that hasn't happened. But I did have two like in a row, and I think it might have been. Somebody, nothing, no follow-up ever happened. Yeah. Can people without a Jeep duck someone? I think people have tried. It just doesn't catch on like Jeep ducking does. No, 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 no. no. Can, if I don't have a Jeep, but I like your Jeep, can I duck you? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you totally duck could. duck me, dude. But why would you? It's like you're trying to be a partisan thing when you're not. <laughs> hey, that's my whole life. Hey, Elementary I'll, school, junior high. Yeah. Whatever you want, I'll let you duck me. Okay. All right. All right. This this whole segment's been ducked up, all right? Hey, listen. <laughs> Well, we have to go because we're going to get fired already. So, <laughs> what are you talking like, about, Like, if your Amy? phone autocorrects the bad word. Yeah, to duck. To, to duck, you're still using foul language. <laughs> nice. All right, that's what we're hilarious. <laughs> I like that, Don't Amy. Don't clap for that. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. It's the best bits of the week show. with Morgan number two. Lunchbox has a new business idea. Shocker there. I know, we've heard a lot of his ideas. But this one could be something if you're a big country music fan because... He pretty much wants to, you know, capitalize on some things country artists already do. I'm not sure how this is going to work out for him, but he thinks it's a great business idea. Number three. Lunchbox, did you happen to run into Amy's sister when you guys were in Texas? Oh, yeah, I did see her. I mean. Why are you acting like that? Like, I don't know. She was in VIP and I'm like, this girl doesn't deserve to be here. And okay, here's the backstory for everybody. Amy's sister and her husband have a show on HGTV called Building Roots. It was its first season, been renewed for a second. Might as well be called Poopy Poop. Okay, he acts this way. I wonder if they thought about Poopy Poop. See how mature he is? And he wonders why producers are like, oh. So he had two huge holes in his roof, and he just waited to get them fixed by the TV show. Yeah, because they told me I was going to be the A segment on their show. They were like, oh, my gosh, you're perfect A segment. They were stringing me along. Why didn't they pick him? And then they ghosted me. He, yes, he did meet with producers. I don't think Lunchbox realizes that the homes on HGTV, it, even if they're part of the project and being featured and they're the A storyline, it's an investment from the homeowner. HGTV you doesn't pay, pay for, yeah, I told you for I'd take every project that airs. So, I mean, there's certain deals you might get or whatnot, depending on the project, but the homeowner's paying. He, Lunchbox, he, do he doesn't want to pay. He's acting like No, I said I would take a loan. I'm telling you're you. You're saying did, that to us. They ghosted me. No, no, no. You're saying that to and us. Then, what did you say to them? I told them I'd pay for it. Okay. I said, let's go. A story. I'm like, great. They said Amy would be a B. I'm like, yeah, she is kind of a B level. <laughs> and, but I don't understand. What, well, I'm just hearing two different versions. Is he not telling the truth? It's, I, listen, I, I don't know. It seems like he has a different version of okay. everything. Okay, fair enough. So he did not get picked to go on the show, and he's been holding it against Amy and Amy's sister, especially ever since. So I heard you ran into her. Lunchbox, your version of that story, how'd it go? Uh, I just went up to her. I was like, oh, there's that girl that's on that crappy TV show on HGTV. You know, what are you doing up here? We should get you out of here. Yeah, uh, you don't want to. I don't know why you wouldn't cast me. You guys really messed up. Missed your opportunity. And that was it? Yeah. 
Amy, what's your version of that? Okay, he did say to her that they messed up and they did, they've, they're they missing out. However, he's he'd like another shot at another interview. Oh, you, he begged? And he went and begged for another he interview? Said, oh, he said, no. look, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. With you know, is there going to be a season three? Because I know you're already doing season two. What are you going to do? Kick a hole in the wall? Yeah, he's like, he's like, I think, I think I got it squared away. Like, I'll pay for it. My family will be involved. Because that was another thing too. He's so private about his. I thought he said he'd already pay for it. So why is he saying he pay for it now? That's his story. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. Uh, Also, Lunchbox is so private about his family, but then suddenly, when they were like, "We want your family to be a part of it," I, I don't know that he also. Saw that part. I think he just wanted to be him, mm-hmm. his house, just him. Ah, and so <laughs> I live here by myself. <laughs> a bachelor. Anyway, it's all it's sort of shifted, and I think to me, or from what I heard from my sister, it's like he was positioning himself to do a different pitch and to woo producers this time. But then, why do you keep calling it poopy poop? Why do you keep slamming it if you want another shot? Look, I mean, if they want to come crawling back. I'm they don't need to crawl I, I back. Like he's crawling if back. If they want to, what do you call them, gravel? If they Gra- wanna, no, grovel. If they want to grovel, yeah. I'm willing to give people a second chance. That's the only way you'd be on the show is if they beg you back. Yep. Okay, you're right. He's, he's doing two whole stories here. That's oh, what I'm no, saying. Like, you know what I mean? You, some Someone burns you. Like It's like, ah, oh, can I trust him again? But in, in this world, it's all about forgiveness and giving people a second chance. So I'm willing to give them a second chance if they want to you know, talk to me again and put me on the show. Poopy poop, that show. Yeah, poopy poop. Okay. But then it'll be turned into greatness. I do think Lunchbox would be good for it. I agree. But producers, I mean, obviously they weren't having a good day or they no, were. Obviously, you didn't want to pay for it like everybody else. And then you didn't want to put your family on there like everybody else. I'm just saying, if they want to grovel. I'm just saying. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that happened. Okay. Yeah, that happened. Good. What happened with Jordan Davis? What do you mean? At the festival. Uh, did, did you. Take something. Uh, no, of his? I didn't take something of his. I oh, um, no. oh, I, I came up with a new business idea. So you didn't take a set like a set list of his? No, no, I did, and I got him to sign. But it. I just said, "What did you take?" And you said nothing. <laughs> but it wasn't his. It was just sitting there. Okay, go ahead. Like it wasn't like his personal one. And I said, "Man, a light bulb went off." Bobby's always Where was like, "It sitting though on the stage." Got it. And so I was like, "A light bulb moment." And I was like, "This is a business." Bobby's always saying, "Hey, you always got to be thinking about new businesses and pitch them." And it's called <laughs> selling signs. Say that. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Selling signed set lists. So you go to these concert with these artists, and you get the set list from that night. You get them to sign it, and then boom, we put it on eBay. And I got Jordan Davis's set list, and I got him to sign it. Like he came <laughs> off the stage, and I got him. I cornered him. He did corner I, him. And I mean, I got him to sign it. Yeah, but that happens a lot on eBay. Isn't that like memor- memorabilia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's our business. But selling. But you're gonna go to you're gonna go to all no. these concerts. Yeah, <laughs> and it's all wrinkled. And how are you gonna get them? Boom! Jordan Davis signed it. I haven't got audio of him signing it, so there's proof. Yeah, and we will film. What's the audio? <laughs> no, it's me. Hey, Jordan Davis, can I get you to sign this? And we'll put it up on uh, Instagram. I think Jordan thought it was for charity, though. That's I'm all right. He can sure. think that all he wants. We'll give two percent to charity. <laughs> two percent. <laughs> How much selling it for? Huh. I don't know how you're going to get all these set lists, though. You had access to the stage because you're working. Yeah, Normally exactly. you don't. I'm backstage pretty much every concert I go to. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I and, like the idea. And I'll talk- I'm out of this business idea. What? I don't want to be a part of this one. Or I, I get in cahoots with the artists. Like, I'm like, hey. Cahoots. Like, hey, man, I know you got a concert tonight in Denver. Can you send me the signed set list? Like, Thanks. who would you be able to ask that to? Everyone that comes in this room. <laughs> Every single artist that comes to this you room. You don't hey, talk to any of the artists. You never, you're over there doing crossword puzzles the whole time. <laughs> but I will. 
I mean, if I got business on the line, businessman making business deals trying to get that money, you got to start talking. Why not just have them make a set list here and sign it here? There you go. I'm not saying that. We're not going to do that, Scuba Steve. Oh, that's a good idea, you Scuba. Just, you could just, no, no. Tell them when they're coming in, they need to bring a signed set list. But I also think it's cool, like, if someone's in, you know, my note, North Dakota or whatever. Uh, my not? No, it's my note. Oh. My note. I don't know. But don't argue it's one thing to change it right <laughs> after that. Go ahead. But let's say they're at that show and it has the name of the city on the set list. Yeah. They're more inclined to pay more money for well, it. Well, then you could print out 20 of them with all the cities on the tour here. Wow. And have but that's whole. not authentic. Yeah, I want to I be authentic-sized. <laughs> yeah. Authentic-sized. Okay. So I think it's a great business. Yeah. And so I'm about to put the Jordan Davis one up for sale. He sang songs like World Spins, <laughs> no, no, Singles. No, no, no hold, on, hold on. Do that again. So tell me the name of the full songs that he sings. Go ahead. World Spins. That's not the name of the song. Singles. That's not the name of the song either. Slow Dance. Nope. Next Thing. Nope. Maybes. No. Take It. No, no, no. Tell me. Dirt. The, Dirt. Give the me the, so, the real song. That's what it says on the set list. I don't know. But what's the first one? World Spins. What's that song he's playing there? I don't know. What my world spins around? I, I don't know. I don't know that song. Okay. What's the next one? Singles. Oh, if he singles you up. Boom. Go ahead. Okay. Is that really him? Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. Slow dance in a parking lot. Which was labeled as slow dance. Yeah. Yeah. Next thing. Don't know that one. Next thing you know. Never heard it. Yeah, he played here in the studio. Go ahead. Maybe's. Maybe yes, maybe no. I don't Almost know. Almost maybe's. Right? Is I don't know. Is his an image? Yeah. Almost maybe's. Mm-hmm. Uh, take it. Take it or leave it. Take it from me. If you take want it from me. Okay, and then dirt. I know that one. That's by dirt. Yeah. So yeah, we got. Imagine it right if we here. got Luke to sign it too. Oh wow. Why would I have Luke sign? Dang, it? and Luke was there. Dirt. You missed they did out. Did by dirt together. Yeah. Oh, Luke's on that song. Uh huh. Dang. But yeah. he wasn't part of the set list. Dang. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, and it says Saturday, May thirteenth. Everything like it has. Every, see, that's what I'm saying. It but has you can it. print all that off too. Just do it for every show. Just print off the. City. But this is legit. Okay. So if anybody, I'm gonna put it up for sale on eBay. Okay, thank you. How do they find you on nah, eBay? Don't worry about it. I ain't sharing that crap. Selling storage <laughs> units. Yeah, yeah. It's the best bits of the week Show. with Morgan number two. Y'all remember Dr. Lori? She came on and evaluated Bobby's Beanie Baby collection that he purchased from Ray and Bay. But also she came on to evaluate Mike T's Pokemon collection. This time, she came on this week to evaluate some of Eddie's things that he found at his house that he thought was so valuable. And I just have to say... I didn't see these being valuable. And you'll get the outcome of what Dr. Lori thinks, but I'm just, I don't understand Eddie's logic and bringing these items in and thinking, hmm, these need to be evaluated. Number two on the Bobby Bones Show now. Dr. Lori. My favorite PhD in antique appraising. My favorite of all the PhDs in antique appraising. Thank you. That's right. Dr. Lori, how the heck are you? How the heck are you? You're the busy, busy one running everywhere. You're everywhere. You're so good. That's because I'm not good, and I just got to keep running, Dr. Lori. <laughs> do you travel you a lot and, and do shows where people just bring you stuff and say, how much is this worth? And do they leave disappointed or happy if you had to pick? Because <laughs> everybody's got something that they, they, they think's worth a lot of money. Some years ago, I came up with the, I'll break some hearts, I'll make some millionaires. And that's really true. Some people are happy, and some people are like, oh, my gosh, really? You know, so, yeah. Have you ever found something worth a million dollars? Yes, multi-millions, yes. Oh a few God. things, actually. What? I must know. Yeah. Uh, Tiffany lamp, uh, floor lamp, big. Uh, impressionist painting by Renoir. What? Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it's serious. <laughs> Let's see. What else was there? And people drive. You know, people are drivers. You know that. You know, so they'll drive. Like, I was appearing in 
in Virginia. And this person with the Renoir painting, who everybody said wasn't the real deal, drove from Rhode Island to make sure I saw it. Mm. So that's maybe 10, 10 hours. So that was a driver. But um, a lot of cool stuff and great American stories, you know, because I tour ma mainly nationally and uh, fantastic stories of uh, people who have found wonderful things. And, and I talk about, you know, all different ones. The same ones tend to come to my mind, um, like the moon boot from Apollo 13 that went to the moon with Apollo 13. That came up one of my events. Um, How much? Washington. Uh, oh, that was about $10,000. It was only the right, the left had already been sold. <laughs> um, that was kind of cool. George Washington's wallet, the wallet that George Washington had on his person when he crossed the Delaware. That that was owned by, um, you know, the typical sort of two little old ladies. <laughs> you know, that was a fantastic piece of American history. It came into one of my events when I was doing an event at a senior center. How do you prove, so, though, uh, that's Washington's wallet? Is a picture of his kid in there or what? <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a couple of things that were identifying marks, not only a monogram, but also a Freemason a symbol. And the interior, it was known that he would commission pieces from this bindery near Cambridge, um, near Cambridge, England, and it had this what's called um, what's called a, a marbleizing interior, and it was uh, it was traced through the provenance of this these women's family uh, going back to Washington, so they were related. So that's how that actually worked out. It was serious. That was serious. So so I've seen some fantastic pieces, and I've seen some cool stuff. You know, more contemporary cool stuff like Barbies and Pokemon cards and, uh, you know, uh, Fred Flintstone animation uh, cells and such like that. So and we're going to get to Eddie's stuff because Eddie's the one who's requested this yeah. meeting with Dr. Laurie because he thinks he has, Hi, some, he has some Hi, Dr. Laurie. very cool stuff Hi, himself. But one final question for me just on this subject. Has anyone brought you anything where they were for sure this thing is worth tens of twenties of $50,000 and you're like, bro, that ain't even, that, that's a nickel. Yeah. Like wah, wah. Yes. It was a ball canning jar about this big by of course the ball canning company. Everybody knows it. You know, you can the peaches in it every year, this kind of deal. And they brought it in and on the front of it, it said ball 1858. And I explained what the jar was. It was a glass jar. And I said, it's worth about $8. And this man screamed at me from in the, the, the rafters of this theater, screaming that I was wrong and it was really valuable and it was very old. And I said, it's not from 1858. All of them say 1858 on it. <laughs> so he was mad. He was mad. But hey, like I said, you break some hearts, you make some millionaires. Let yeah. me say this about Dr. Lori. You can see her on the new Netflix series, The King of Collectibles. Has it wow. popped up for you guys? And yeah, I've thing? seen it. Yeah, so it's produced by Peyton Manning. It's up now on Netflix. And she's doing there what she does here. It's her expertise on history, background, and the value of, well, today's hot collectibles. That You're making it once you're in a Netflix show, Dr. Laurie. <laughs> well, thanks. Let's hope after 25 years I'm making it. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. It's a great show. There's some cool things and some cool collectors. You know, Drake and uh, Mike Tyson and Peyton Manning and a lot of folks um, who are showing you their collections, but also to see what, you know, you might have hiding in the basement. So that's where I come in. Uh, uh, and of course, with uh, Robbie Davis, senior and junior, they're nice guys too. And Ken Golden and the whole crew at Golden's Auctions. It's It's been a great time. And uh, I think the show is going to have uh, a, a long lifespan, I hope. And I've enjoyed contributing to it. So, well, let's get to the show. Let's Come get, on. Let's get to the money. Eddie, so why 
what happened with you where you thought you had something? Okay, so, I mean, it goes back to the conversation we were having about not having a retirement. And you, By the way, Dr. Lloyd, just so you know the basis of this, Eddie yeah. always talks about he can't wait to retire. It's his dream in life to retire. And I said, well, how much do you have in, like, your 401K because our company does that? And he's like, none. I said, well, how much do you have set? He goes, none. So he wants to retire, yet he's put no money back for retirement. And so that made him, I guess, go dig for stuff. Down to the basement, like Laura, Dr. Laurie said. Got it, got so it. Okay, okay. Well, not a bad idea. A lot of people have the same agenda, you know, because it's hard to, to save for retirement. Uh, but again, yeah, there can be, you know, I've seen fabulous things come out of the attic rafters. So what have you got? Okay, so I have a memory box that I've had since I moved out of my house when I was 19 years old. You've had a memory box? A memory box, and it's come with me from my hometown in South Texas. I moved it to college, to my first house, my second. I got married. I got four kids now. I still have that box. Well, so, that's why you don't have a retirement. you got four kids. Th thank you, Dr. Laura. That's what I've been trying that's to tell it. them. But he also yeah. golfs and gambles. <laughs> so does everyone else. Okay. I didn't know that part. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> but so, he has four kids, you know. So I dug in the memory box, and I was yeah. like, oh, my gosh, I found some good stuff. Old, She's talking about that ball, you know, jar or whatever that somebody yelled at her about. But I have old, old bottles, and these are, like, from the Thomas Edison days. Okay, I have. Okay. I have. Um, okay, can I pull one up, Dr. Laurie? Okay. So there's a really small one here. It says Eiffel Tower Fruit Juices. It is probably five inches tall. It's a see-through glass. It's a clear one here. So yep. what do you think about this one? Hey, Bobby, does the glass have a little bit of like a tinge of gray or a tinge of purple? Um, I'm pretty colorblind, but yes. I would say it has a little okay. bit. Would you? Would you guys say it has a tinge of purple? Yeah, or blue. Yeah. 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 That, that typically indicates that there's a little bit of lead content in it. And lead content is very typical with glass making, particularly in the early part of the 20th century. Here's what they look for. They look for a seam. They look for a particular type of top, which that particular bottle has. And they also look for famous um, manufacturers. And usually the name is going to be right in the bottle. It's going to be different from other colored bottles, which we also see here in this memory box collection of Eddie's. And I would say value on that bottle is going to be about 15 bucks. So that's like 30 seconds of your retirement. Hey, <laughs> hey, that's okay. That's a start. Okay. Eddie. I mean, I thought it'd be like hundreds. I really yeah, did. I really did. I thought it'd be hundreds. Okay, okay, okay. We have, but we have four bottles in total. That's right. So let's do another bottle. Okay. This okay. one is a little more round. It's a little more, which that's blue or green yeah, or something. Yes, more blue. Look at that color. A little more blue. And on it, it says, why'd you bring all bottles? Like, I had lots of bottles in the memory box. I know. Did you just grab them? No, no, no. I've had them since I was like no, no, 15 no, but years I'm old. Saying, do you think they're worth something? Yeah, they're old. It has to be worth something. Okay. Oh my grandma. Wait, wait. So you dug them up in South Texas? Is that the deal? No. When you were a kid? I'll be honest with you, Dr. Laura. I don't know how I got these, but they were in my <laughs> yeah. room when I was growing up. So I just took they them just with me. They just showed up. This right? says Rumford Chemical Works. What do you think about this one, Dr. Laurie? Eddie thinks okay. it's very so worthwhile. Blue bot blue bottles usually relate to apothecary. So usually they had some kind of drug or some kind of chemical in them. So be careful around them. Don't stick your finger down into it kind of deal. But that can be more valuable, a little bit more. So instead of 30 seconds for your retirement, you're probably looking at two and a half minutes. That's about 50 bucks. That wow. Time. Whoa. Okay. Oh, that's okay. Cool. Let's go. Okay. Okay. So far you're at $65. That's I'm good. Shocked. That's good. <laughs> we have two, two more bottles. More bottles? I know, dude. It's like. Hold on. One more bottle. No, you have one. two bottles. Jeez. Oh, got two more left. Is that a bottle or a vase? That's a bottle. Okay. That's here bottle. we go. This that's bottle. A bottle this yep. bottle yeah. is. A uh, little bigger, little. It's clear. Nathan Wood and Son Prop Proprietors, Portland, Maine. 
Okay, also apothecary bottle. Notice it has a long body and a short neck. And that's typically an apothecary bottle that they're going to mix some kind of chemical together. Um, I would say value on that bottle. And there's no chips on the top of these bottles, right? Because they would use a cork. Mint condition. Okay, mint condition. About. Okay, thank you, Bobby. Value on that bottle is about 50 bucks. Bobby, Whoa! you like Okay. That's amazing. 115 bucks. Let's go. Bobby, do you not care about bottles? Are you just like, why bottles? Well, it's like they're glass bottles. Like, who gives a crap? They're old. There's a lot of them out there, yeah. which is why the values are kind of low. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so far, okay. Eddie, your most po your most prized possessions, you have $115. <laughs> Wait, well, so I have a question about the $115. Wow. Like, I get that that's the value, but is Eddie going to be able to sell Boom. these to anybody? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good question, Amy. There's a lot of them out there, so a lot of people are trying to sell them, but that's the value, and it's based on retail sales records that a similar bottle like that has sold recently. Where would you so, sell yeah, it, though? You can sell them, but that's a smart question. Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, but where would you sell them? <laughs> yeah, probably eBay with everybody else. Okay. You know, if you put them on, like, Facebook Marketplace, typically people want them for, like, nothing. Oh, I'll take them off your hands like they're doing you a favor. I know a guy that does eBay business. That's me. Yeah. We'll sell it, yeah. Okay, here's what we have. Dr. Lori's A lot out. of people do an eBay business. We're going to come back in a second, and we're going to do the big bottle. Okay. Oh. And the one that Eddie says is his moneymaker because it's literally money. It's some... Oh, yeah. How would you describe that, Bones? Well, there's an American Indian on the front. There's a buffalo... I don't know. It's a big old fat coin that looks uh -huh. like it could be worth something. Eddie, it's time for the big two. Come on. Dr. Lori is on. <laughs> She's about to appraise the crap out of a couple things. Now, Eddie brought in these old bottles he mm. thought were worth a whole lot of money. So far, I will say, for three bottles, 115 bucks total, that's pretty good. It doesn't look like much. Yeah, but I think you thought you were going to get a lot more, but that's okay. Well, well, here, let me just tell you where my mind's shifting now. Now, whatever I make today, I am going to put that in my 401k. And I'm starting my retirement today. Okay, well... You have $115 so far. That's a start. But it's time for the two dose. Twa. Money makers. Come on! All right, Eddie thinks he can make a thousand bucks out of this. Okay, Dr. Lori. So yeah. you're gonna put your PhD skills to use here. This looks like a green bottle to me. I don't know <laughs> what the heck this is, but it's bigger than all the other ones. Okay, and there's no marking on that bottle, correct? Nothing. Um, yeah, it says Ep Kepler. Wait. On the top it says Kepler. Green bottles and brown bottles are trying to prevent the light to get to the chemical. That Whoa. chemical was probably, in fact, in liquid form. So usually when they have bottles like that, you're trying to make sure that they don't get the sunlight to go through them when they're sitting up on a shelf, usually in a pharmacy type of environment. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that bottle is six inches tall or about eight inches tall? Well, hold on. That's <laughs> Okay. What? Stop. Interesting way of measuring. What? I just lowered yeah. it. It's just getting the tape measured. Yes. Uh, I would say it's about eight inches tall. Okay. So that piece dates to about 1915 to about 1920, and value Whoa. on it is about $50. Hey! Well, that's okay. We're adding money up, guys. Well, you said it was, that was a big bottle. I thought that was going to be big, dude. Yeah, you're what right. What if it had been six that. inches? Okay. So $45. Oh. oh. Hey. Size matters. Yeah. Size does okay, matter. here we go. The final thing. He wanted me to save this to the very end because he thinks this here alone. That's going to be a thousand. Could put him through retirement. Is that heavy, Bobby? Like, does it feel? Yeah, it's a pretty heavy coin. It's bigger okay. than a quarter. Bounce that on the t table. Listen scratch. to That's that. Why did it break? It. 
Uh-oh. I'm stop, just kidding. Stop, you did stop. it right. You did it right. Did you say there's a buffalo? There's on the back side, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Dr. Lori, what I, is I, this, I, first I of all? I just want to say, I love your scientific methods, guys. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Bounce it on the table. Listen to what it sounds like. Well, your ear is going to sound different from somebody else's mm-hmm. ear. Okay, so it's about the size of a quarter, and it should say .999 silver on it. Yes, point. it says uh, 999 fine silver. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, so let's explain a little bit. First of all, one side has the Native American Indian, the head in profile. The other side has the buffalo, the bison, right, also in profile, typical of coinage made in the early part of the 20th century. This particular piece is actually a silver piece, right? So 925 parts, if it said 0.925, that would mean it's sterling. Yours is better than sterling. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Oh, boy. You okay? You okay? Okay, we're getting you very excited. Yeah, 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 we're good. Then what you have is, of course, the weight of this particular piece, which is almost pure silver, because if it were point, you know, 1,000, it would be pure silver. Dr. Laura, you heard it when he bounced on the table, right? Yeah, I heard it. I I heard the bounce on the table. That's not my scientific method. That's yours. Okay, okay, okay. in terms of appraising, that's going to be a very, you know, low a low on the totem pole in terms of value. <laughs> However, this particular piece is almost pure silver. Cool. So mm. one try ounce of pure silver has a value today of, if you look at the silver markets, about $35. But wait, how much is the coin? The, wait, oh, no, no, no. Wait. The coin is worth about $35. Oh. No, 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 no. The actual coin. Yeah, Dr. let me Lord. do this again. Did you not hear Did that? Did you hear that again? I heard that again. Okay. So what she's saying is basically it doesn't matter what's on the coin. It's just the price of silver. They actually will create those coins looking like old coins. They're not coins. It's not, of course, legal tender. It just is worth the value of silver. And today's silver market is not all that high. So when the silver market goes up, that piece becomes more valuable. I would hold on to it because it is almost pure silver. Eddie, it looks like you're a little short of 200 bucks. No, I'm not going to be able to retire today. Overall. What did you Not re- today, but someday. Not, Eddie, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> what, Eddie, what do you think, realistically, coming in, that you thought all of these bottles and this coin would get you? Realistically? Mm-hmm. I thought I would get at least $500. I mean, I wanted to be, sound exciting, like I could get thousands, but, I mean, the bottles, I didn't think they'd be $1,000 bottles. But if I can get out of here with $500, I was like, this is going to start my road to retirement. I mean, I'll put the $100 in retirement, but this no, is... No, you're going to gamble it. We know you're going to DraftKings if you sell the stuff, and you're going to put it on the game. There are some golf tournaments this weekend. Yes. You so. know, I, I want to just... I want to give Eddie his due, because first of all, I did appraise one bottle that actually was worth $60,000. <laughs> what did that look like? Some of these bottles could be that. That oh. bottle I'm talking about goes all the way back to the late 1700s, and it was called a bitters bottle. It was a very elongated bottle, and it was actually used for bitters, which was a a type of actual liquid that would be traded in the colonial American time. Your bottles are all too young Mm. and very common. Well, let me say this. Eddie, I know it's a sad day for you. Yep. Yeah, you can yeah. take your bottles. Put, is more than he had, Bobby. Yeah, put them back in your sweet cherished memory box. Yeah, <laughs> memory box with your, with your butterflies. I might just keep them here, actually. Yeah, you know? they'll get stolen for sure. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let me say this about Dr. Lori. <laughs> Visit our website, drlorivee.com. L O R I, the letter V.com. Follow her on Instagram at drlorivee. V. You can watch her on Netflix, and she's just killing it for us as always. She. Uh, appraised Mike's Beanie Babies for a couple thousand bucks. 
No, no, po- Pokemon. I have Beanie Babies. How, so you guys both more than that crap you have. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not gonna say what it is yet, but I had Dr. Lori um, on. One day we'll reveal it. I had her on with me once at my house. And I'm just going to say over $10,000. Oh, what? my gosh. That's, just, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say any more than that. I said, hey, what's this? I'm just going to say over. It could be a lot more. It could be a little more. Oh Something my over $10,000 that I didn't know. I was trying to throw it away. You have all the luck in the world. All I was going to throw it away. And she was like, wouldn't do that if <laughs> so I were you. So where is it now? Don't worry about it. I hate my life. There's a lot of cool stuff out there. You know, your old toys, your Barbies, this, that, collectibles, mom stuff. You know, I mean, I'm here to help you. What about Madame Alexander dolls? Yes, Madame Alexander dolls, sure. Okay. Yeah. A nickel. There's lots of value in those. <laughs> D- okay. Okay, but uh, that's what I have a lot of. Well, we gotta see them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Next, next time. Okay. Next time. There she uh, is, our friend and yours, Doctor. Doctor Lori, thank right. you. Thanks, guys. Bye, Bobby. Bye. Have bye, a bye, gr- guys. Have Take a care. great day. It does seem, though, generally, we have a lot of hope. And then Dr. Laurie is smart and tells us, you're not as smart as you think. Yeah. To us. Yeah. Because we come in, we're like, this has got to be worth $10 million. And then the next thing you know, it's worth $30. It's <laughs> not, I mean, that's not what I thought. And he's going, he thought I was going to be worth the whole bunch. I thought that was from the Civil War. And I was rooting for it, too. That's a buffalo nickel, man. Dude, but it's like five cool. times the size. That's showbiz, baby. Yeah, I guess so. That's what we say. And guess what? You're still broke. <laughs> But she did. I took her, to my, I took, took her to my house on camera, and she was like, I'm, I'm not going to say, but it was over $10,000. Uh-huh. And I was trying to throw it away, and my wife was like, you shouldn't throw that away, I don't think. And then I was like, oh. And then we, and it was over. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Is it a bottle? It, it is. Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best bits of the week Show. with Morgan number two. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics. 
as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We had Dan and Shay on the show this week. They're always fun to talk to because they're just so open about everything. They talked about what in-studio means to them. Like, what does that actually look like when an artist says, I'm in-studio working on new music? They also answered some uncomfortable questions, and more importantly, y'all, they revealed a collaboration that they wanted to happen, and it didn't. And I'm so bummed that it didn't happen because this would have been epic. So here's the interview right now with Dan and Shay and Bobby. Number one. It's a Bobby Bones Show interview. In case you didn't know. Dan and Shay, Grammy Award winning, ACM, all the number ones. Their brothers, their cousins, their friends. The first two aren't true. <laughs> but they're massive. And here they are. The Friday Morning Conversation with Dan and Shay. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. What's going on? Good to see you, dude. Good to see How you, too. I'm doing pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Okay, we got a lot to talk about. Number one, the song's about to go number one here, you. So I want to talk about it first because I want to play it kind of right off the bat here. So... I don't know. What, uh, there's this new thing with songs where everybody's naming them like really simple, generic terms. Like there's a song called If, there's a song called From, there's a show called The. Whenever you name a song You, like that's a commitment to a pretty g- broad, generic word. Do you worry about that at all or do you try to find something more specific in the title? Yeah, we've run out of good ideas. Yeah. You know, we've done we've done nothing like you. We've done other things. And it's like, why not just you? That's you a great point. I, mean? <laughs> I think uh, originally we were going to call the song You and Only You, but... I think whenever I wrote it out, I was like, ah, it's simpler to just go Y-O-U, you. And uh, yeah, man, it's like love songs, that kind of stuff never goes out of style. People are always going to be looking for songs about love, heartbreak, life. And uh, it's one of those songs that was, was special to us when we wrote it. And, you know, we put it out on the album. It wasn't the first single that came out on the album. But uh, it was the one that the fans raised their hands and said, this is one of our favorites. We saw people... You know, I feel like this has kind of been the story of our career, seeing people, that, that's how we choose singles. It's like you see people using the song in their wedding, engagements, uh, promposals is now a thing. That wasn't a thing. Uh, that's how old I am. Back in the day when we were kids, there were not promposals, but kids go all out now. Um, and the song has been a part of a lot of promposals. So I like single. And- yeah, the, the, there's like the, uh, the melody of the hook is also like a Shea run at the same time. And that act, you know, there's some, there's some like strategy involved in the writing of that. You like that. That is what 
catches me to that song. Like that's the texture of it is in that hook. Shay, talk about the hook to that song and how hard it is to sing every single time. You know, it's a good idea to have all these cool melodies and high melodies until you have to sing them every night. <laughs> and I'm just like, why did we why did we do that? What were we thinking? But man, I, I think it's interesting though, talking about the one word titles and things like that. And over time we've realized, man, it's like when you try to come up with all these complicated words and you're trying to think of new words it's like we have a language we have one language that i can speak i can only i can barely speak one language uh and i think it's important to not get too caught up in the all right we got to think of a, a word that no one's ever thought of before that's not going to happen we know all the words are out there and i think it's important to you know things like you're talking about the stickiness of that chorus of like all right what makes me feel that emotion how do i portray that i don't need necessarily a new word we need a new way of kind of expressing ourselves as humans. And this is a, a love song. This, this song is kind of like a speechless part two. You know, this is a uh, speechless with that moment of our wives walking down the aisle and, you know, that moment of the wedding night. And this is kind of the continuation of that. This is beyond, this is love every single day in those little moments. And uh, I just, I love it for that. And I feel like it has a lot of that stickiness of as far as like you, you and all you. And I think that's very, very hooky, but the yeah. Got very much of a uh, a speechless. I, I'm singing because I'm sitting down at my piano, and I I feel like I'm about to play a show right now. Can you hear straight, your piano, but, uh, or are you dialed into ears? I I'm not dialed in. I don't know if you can hear. Yeah, hit it again. Hit it again. Yeah, through Zoom, it sounds like a cat, low Casio, like a one of those kids pianos. <laughs> yeah. But now we can we can tell that you're doing it. Here they are. They have nine total number ones. About to about to be ten. Um, ask a question to you, Dan. I'll go with you. It's been ten years since you guys formed Dan and Shay. Twenty thirteen. What What would you say is the defining moment for you guys as a duo? If you look back and you're like, "This is the one," not that started it, but that really cemented it as we've got success and we're going to be here for a while. You know, recently, I, Shay and I are in just a whole new place, brand new outlook on our entire career. Next time, maybe when we come back to talk about the new music, it'll be a different story. We've had some amazing, amazing moments along our journey, you know, recently while we were making this album that is yet to be announced, yet to come out. <clears throat> but uh, in terms of stuff that's uh, that's been out there to the public, I would have to say when we won our first Grammy, maybe, or we performed on that Grammy Awards, we did Tequila. Um, that was a moment, you know, we'd had, you know, success up till then. We'd had two albums. We'd been grinding it out on the road, playing clubs, theaters, doing that thing. And that was kind of the moment where, I think our music was exposed to, to the masses, you know, obviously we'd had a few hits before that, but that was really the one that, I don't know, it was just something different about it. I mean, we stood on that stage at the Grammys, you've been there, it's like insanely nerve wracking. They, for some reason, put us out in the middle of the arena on the little circular disc. I guess that's like where they put new and up and coming performers, but still you're surrounded by Beyonce and Jay-Z and all these mega superstars and you're trying to sing your song. And you go on and you can hear your heart beating through the microphone. Uh, it's kind of kind of crazy. But that was that was a big moment for us. And that, I think, sent things into a new place. You know, that song kicked off the self-titled album. You know, from there we had Speechless and, you know, a couple other songs that I think were the things that sort of propelled us into arenas and, uh, and changed our world, man. But there have been so many great milestones. And it's crazy to say it's we've known you for 10 years, man. You guys were the first people to play our music on the radio. I remember uh, I remember getting a call, Nada texted us or called us and said, uh, we're going to be playing 19 you and me on the show. And we were out in Bellevue before Bellevue was Bellevue in Tennessee. And, uh, we went out and blew the speakers out of Shay's Jeep whenever you guys played that. So it's crazy to still be doing it, man. And 
grateful for all the support you guys have shown us along the way. And I've received 2% of all Dan and Shay's cents, which is great. Oh, I haven't wow. really talked about that, but it's been cool. It's a deal we made way early it's on. It's not yeah. much money. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> hey, Shay, let me ask you this. We talk about 10 years. Did your label or management throw you guys a big 10-year anniversary party? Because I asked this because we just did 10 years here, too. We didn't get jack crap. <laughs> so did anything happen for you guys being together 10 years and having success? You know, we, did, we got this really, really special uh, reminder via text message that it had been 10 years. I was like, hey, just so you guys know, you've been together for 10 years. So, yeah, we knew that. We knew that. We've been talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no party. No party yet. Yeah, uh, We'll that. see. Maybe they're saving it. You for know what I mean? 11 years. I like to be optimistic. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they're saving it for 11. Because 10 is just sober. You guys just did 10. So, like, that'd be pretty rude of us to do it right hey, after. Dan, you guys posted back in March you were – going on kind of a social media, we'll call it a detox, like you're going to step away for a little bit. Uh, why did you guys do that? And I, you know, it's, it's probably a longer conversation and I'll come over the house. We can talk about it, but it's, uh, you know, social media is, it's a necessary evil in our business. It's, you know, I'm not going to say it hasn't helped our career. It's been a great way for us to connect with fans and a great way for a lot of people to, to discover our music that may not have otherwise discovered it. I think, uh, you know, in 2021, when we were doing our first arena headlining tour, I kind of got to a dark place, you know, got a little carried away. Uh, and my focus was, you know, not maybe not where it should have been, you know, on music and creating music and enjoying the ride, enjoying where we were, enjoying that moment. And I think I was too heavy on the social media element. It was like, cool, we sold out Madison Square Garden. Okay, I need to make an Instagram video to let everybody know we sold it out. I mean, it's, it's part of the thing. But I think I got to a really, really bad place there. And I was like, you know, on the on the brink of like, do I want to do this anymore? Do I want to make music? And, you know, I, I brought myself back, you know, to the basics and said, like, the reason that I'm happy, the reason that, you know, I've been able to do this for so long is because I love making music. I love being in the room with my best friend, you know, sitting there talking, talking about life and, and writing songs. And we got back to that, you know, on this new project that we've been working on. But I think stepping away from social media, you know, especially like at the tail end of an album cycle, allowing ourselves to really focus on the music. This is the first time in almost 10 years that we weren't on the road, you know, a majority of the year we've been off the road. So it was like, you know what, I'm going to step away, focus on the thing that truly makes me happy. And, you know, we'll dabble back into social media whenever we start rolling out the new music. But I think if we fill our cup so high with the things that we love, which is writing, creating, recording, making music, going out and playing shows, then I think the social media, the stuff that we have to do on social media won't be as daunting. But I think I got to a place where it fully consumed my life and uh, I became a person that that I didn't want to be. So I, I stepped away from it for a second. I think I've, you know, gotten a healthy relationship with social media. It's it's a crazy thing, man. It'll it'll take you to wild places. You're talking about working on a new record or new music now. When people say they're in the studio all the time, what I mean, I get it. You're like in a room, but what do you do all day? Help help me, help our listeners. What does that mean you're in a studio all day? I can tell you what Dan does all day. He just, he works. I, the man will go back and work on a vocal. Uh, that might not even be an album vocal. He'll spend six hours on it. He's dedicated. Uh, but man, this last, you know, making this album that, uh, that we've got coming has been the most fun uh just kind of season, I guess, of, of our lives. I can say that I feel like for both of us, because, you know, in that social media part of it and kind of being a little more detached from that and being a little in touch with reality with our family and just kind of living life in a healthy place. I think it's been the funnest I've ever had making music. I mean, Dan and I have never really had the time besides our very first album to make a, an actual record and make a cohesive project of 
stuff that we're going through that we've experienced. And uh, we actually got to do that on this project. You know, you usually have three or four months to put together an album. And I don't want to say throw it together. Obviously, you still try to take your time. And we've always done that to the best that we could. But this is the very first time we've kind of sat down from start to finish and been like, all right, let's just get in there and have some fun and write what we want to write. And it's just, it changed everything for us and our relationship, the communication that we've had and really letting each other know where we're at in our lives and moving forward has just been, we'll go to the studio and our work for that day might be hanging out and talking about, you know, going and playing in Bobby's Idol Hour for, you know, four people. <laughs> just like thinking about the things, you know, where we came from. And I think that makes you appreciate where you're going and motivates you more of like, all right, let's really dig in and let's, our fans deserve our best. They deserve us at our best. And it's been just so much fun to motivate each other. And we've been working on our personal lives. I'm trying to get in shape so I don't have to stand next to Dan and feel ridiculous. Uh, so I, I've, it's just been a really fun journey of like, all right, I feel like we're actually working towards something and going to have a project that our fans can be proud of. And even if somebody hates it, we can with our entire heart say, this is Dan and Shay, and this is who we are, and I'm so damn proud of it. And put it out into the world knowing that that was the success, was getting it out there. No matter what it does commercially, you know, hopefully, I think we got some big old hits on there, but it's just, it's more than that. I feel like it's kind of this, it's a new era of what Dan and Shay has become. And just those studio moments have really just been us being together and, and living life and writing songs and recording them and just making that an entire process and season and integrating it with our lives rather than, all right, everybody panic. We have two months to make this album. So it's been really fun, man. I've, I've never had more fun making music in my whole life than, than we are right now. Yeah. But what do you do all day? That's my question. Like, no, 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 not much, no, not a lot. Dude. But like, I mean, are you singing it? Oh, <laughs> are you singing it 500 times? Are you playing the guitar part over and like the granular, in a studio all day when you're making a record because we don't get to be in there. What happens for 14 hours? Are you playing piano parts? Are you going, let's try it different? Like, tell me about what is happening. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I probably spend a lot of unnecessary time on things that won't make a single difference in, in a single radio spin or stream or sale or anything. Uh, maybe I, I do it, you know, to serve myself or to make myself happy. But there are a lot of things, you know, for example, we have the luxury of, you know, having the most talented, you know, it, the most talented musicians in the entire world, you know, at our fingertips on Music Row, the greatest musicians. And you go, to, go into a studio, a place like Ocean Way, you know, and you track this band and the band, you know, comes in, they hear your demo or in, in some cases on this album, we wrote the songs on an acoustic guitar, didn't even have a demo. We would sing the song in the room for the session musicians. And then we chart it out, you know, four, one, six, five, you know, the notes, the sequence of the chords, figure out the key. They would go in there and play it. And these guys are so prolific. The first take, the first pass is usually the most usable, most incredible, most brilliant sounding thing you've ever heard in your life. And then you go, okay, cool. Can we get a few more options, a few more takes? And it's easy when you're sitting there drinking your coffee at 1030 AM at Ocean Way. And you're like, yeah, just keep giving me takes. But all those takes, all those options are so good. They're all so usable. So when I go home, I take the session, I clean it up, organize it, color code everything, you know, do my OCD stuff. And then you go through and for some people it's like, okay, cool. The band was incredible on the first take, not going to touch it. That's one way of doing it. And it's totally all right. I, I dig that. I love the way that sounds. But for me, I'm like, 
I don't want to leave any magic. I don't want to leave any stone unturned. So I'll go through every single instrument, every drum pass, every drum fill, every bass guitar lick, just in case there's magic on a take that we're not listening to. You know, there may be something that happens in the third chorus, some inversion on the bass that happens that takes the song to a whole new level, at least in my head it does, or in my heart. Uh, so I, I just want to go through all those parts, make sure we don't miss anything. And then when you pick something like that, say you pick a good bass lick in that third chorus, that may change how you approach, you know, sifting through the piano or the drums or the guitars. And it's just a, a never ending process. But uh, man, I'm, I'm so proud of this stuff we're making. And Shay's vocals, that, that's, when you record a singer like me, you're going to find one good take, one usable take in all the passes. With Shay, if he sings 10 takes for me, they're all going to be absolutely incredible. I could use any one of them. So that makes it even harder to go through his vocals and say, well, okay, cool. They're all perfect. Which one is the, has the most emotion or the most feeling? And yeah, it's syllable by syllable by syllable. And, That's uh, what I wanted to know right there. Wow. Cause that is a yeah. grueling process of him having to go through it. You know, both those guys having to go through so much. Uh, how many hard drives of unreleased Dan and Shay music exist? Two right here. I've got one plugged in back here. There's there's a lot. Just there's lots lot. of songs from over the years you've never released. Which, obviously, the new stuff. But I mean, do you have so many cut songs that you're just like, well, we're not going to put this on a record, but we'll just save it just for posterity or to see if we die, our family can put it out and keep making money. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah cool. There's yeah. sometimes <laughs> there's sometimes we'll go back on a song that we started recording a few years ago that. You know, a great song always finds a way, and a great song will never go out of style. So if there's something that, you know, we started recording or working on a few years ago, it may not have made sense for that last project based on, you know, sonically how the rest of that project shaped up. But as time evolves, you know, it may make sense where you are in your current moment in life. So you never never close the door on any chapter. We always leave them, leave them rocking. But, yeah, if, if I died unexpectedly, I'm a little nervous. I need to, like, figure out a plan of which songs, because man, there are some songs that we definitely don't want released. You know, there's like <laughs> some artists who unfortunately pass away. You know, I, I know that their estates will go and post a new one on Spotify every week. And I'm like, man, I, I don't know about that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> there are some that didn't come out for a reason, and we should keep it that way. So mm -hmm. we need a system of checks and balances if that ever happens. That Prince Polka album was weird, right? You know, I bet he wished that never <laughs> would have come out. Uh, one final question in this segment. But we had Jesse Joe Dillon um, over over at the house. We were talking to her. She was one of the writers of Ten Thousand Hours, and she tells a story about being in New York and you letting her hear the Bieber uh, uh, hit a vocal on that song for the first time. She said you put headphones on her. Now, was that one of those situations where you had to keep it on lockdown because nobody could know, so you kept it on your device only and you put headphones on people that would hear it, Dan? Yeah, it was these specific headphones. I'm such a nerd with the audio stuff. I listen to all your podcast episodes. I listen to the uh, Bobby Bones show ones too. Some good content on there. Um, but the Jesse Joe one, it was funny. It started out like the clip from that on social media was like, yeah, Dan, we were in New York City and uh, he invited me back to his hotel room. I was like, explain more. Tell, say more. You, can't. you know, if somebody stops watching the clip right there, you know, might be a little misleading. Now, Jesse Joe's one of our favorite people on the planet she is just she's just a wonderful soul she's incredible so talented and that was a great episode by the way but yeah she was in new york uh with her publishers mike molinar and alex Heddle, good buddies of ours um and we had gotten that back we were working on the mix which when we got bieber's vocal it was like our minds were blown we were freaking out because it's like you never expect that biggest pop star on the planet you know and he loves the song sends vocal back and it was like 
the vocal came back sounding pristine and amazing, like really, really good. So we got that and I, that was a special moment. When she told that story, I texted her. I was like, man, I got goosebumps here and you tell that story. That's, that's a memory, you know, it's moments like that. That song went on to accomplish a lot of great things for us, but those are the highest highs. Those moments, you know, getting to share that with someone you care about, writing a song, coming up with a great hook, you know, getting a demo back. Those are the things that that are really rewarding. You know, obviously the number ones are great. We want to keep those things coming, but that kind of moment. We were in New York and she came over to the room and I, I don't think we told her who was on the song. We we're like, just check out the mix. And we played it and that second verse rolled around and she was like, is that Justin Bieber? I think I have a video of it on my phone somewhere. It was, it was a special night, man. And you don't send that around, right? Even to people you trust in case it could get leaked. No, uh, I, I think we had that on, I had it. I think maybe three people had it, like maybe Dan and I, and maybe our, maybe our wives. Uh, and that was a, especially in the beginning. And I just remember how crazy that feeling was. Like we've had a lot of pinch me moments in our lives. And I just remember driving around being like, looking at random people and be like, you got no idea. It's coming. <laughs> I just wanted to tell, you know what I mean? Just like seeing some lady, you know, rolling down your window and be like, excuse me, ma'am, you might if I play this song, it's with Justin Bieber, if I heard of him. And uh, it was just a crazy feeling of just knowing what's coming. And I remember, I actually, I, this is probably horrible to even say out loud, but I think I cried the first time I heard it with my wife. We were sitting down in our old house and we just, Dan had just sent it to me and he's like, I think it was the only like preface was like, dude. And I was like, I remember sitting down and listening to that on the couch, like not over big speakers, just like on my phone and just listening with my wife and being in shock and probably tearing up a lot just because we knew that that was going to be a life changing moment, you know, and there's just, those only come around, uh, I mean, maybe once in your lifetime of something like that. So it was pretty pretty special being able to drive around and feeling like you have this pretty cool secret that nobody else in the world does. Okay, look, Dan and Che are here. They've been hanging out with us for a long time, almost an hour. Uh, the song You, crushing it, stream it right now. Uh, it's a, a climbing its top five, probably going to be number one. Uh, we're celebrating that. But I do have uncomfortable questions that our listeners sent for you guys, and so we'll just go one at a time. Shay, I'll go to you first. What do Dan and Shay argue about the most and don't give a cliche answer? If we did fight about something, maybe uh, where we're going to eat is like the most uh, difficult. That's my wife and I too. Same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds stupid, but yeah. It's, yeah, maybe where to eat. Yeah, she's like, "Where do you want to go?" And I say, "She's like, well, I don't want to. I don't want to go there." And I'm like, "Well, you asked where I wanted to go." <laughs> like that's like, yeah, that's okay. Next up, Dan. Uh, let's see. Do Dan and Shay say the same thing every city, no matter where they are? And like, this is my favorite city. Blank. Yeah, you definitely got a little bit of a script, to be honest. I mean, you go out there, and there's definitely, like, I had this setup speech before Tequila, like, you know, bring the level down real quiet. It's the whole thing. We need the crowd to sing this song louder than it's ever been sung before in the history of the song. You know, you give them a little bit of the uh, the WWE moment. But there are definitely a lot of moments that are off the cuff. You know, we, we always make sure to do an acoustic a little breakdown bit in our show that is completely unscripted, and sometimes... It goes off the rails. Uh, so maybe we should stick to the script because our sound guys out there are like, guys, we, we got to cut this short. You've been doing the acoustic bit for an hour now. Three questions left and uncomfortable questions. Shay, you brought up the fact that you'd lost a bunch of weight. What did Shay do with his old clothes that don't fit anymore? Uh, they're currently sitting in my garage. I had to, I, this is legitimately, I have four shirts that fit me now. Uh, and so I had to go to Dillard's and I think I went to Dillard's. I don't know where you get pants. I have like three <laughs> pairs of pants and four shirts. 
That's like the only clothes. Like this shirt, this is one of four. Yeah, good. And it's the same brand. Yeah, but they're all in my garage. If anyone wants, I have 180 black shirts, black t-shirts, large if you'd like them. Two questions left to Dan. Has Dan ever pretended to be working on a song to get out of doing something around the house for his wife? Oh, for sure. Nice. For sure. Yeah. It, it, honestly, not as much like to get out of doing something around the, around the house. I'm pretty good at the chores, but definitely to get out of social situations. Like, you know, Abby's so social, you know. And she'll go to like these events and stuff and she'll always use the excuse like it's like 9 p.m. and event starts or a concert or some dinner with friends. It's like, oh, Dan has a mix revision. It's like who expects him to be doing a mix revision <laughs> streaming session at 9 p.m. on a Saturday night? What is the who is the most famous person to turn down a Dan and Shay collab? I did try to like pretty hard try to get Adele on a song. I don't, it was no specific song, but like, hey, we should get Adele on, on a song. And everyone was like, yeah, no, that'd be. That'd be cool. <laughs> and the fact we don't have a song with Adele. So. If they answered uncomfortable question five, we applaud them. We let them yeah. go. Nice job. Rarely do people answer the fifth uncomfortable question. Okay, Dan and Shay, we'll be waiting for your new music whenever that is. I'm sure. It, I'm not even gonna ask anything about it. It's it's under lock and key. I've been told I, if I do ask about it, I'll be met outside this building by an unhappy person. So <laughs> I'm outside move. right now. Yes, we're gonna I'm move. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a link, Bobby. And I'll share it with the whole world. Go okay. to my Twitter, and I'll share the link with everyone. Can you? I mean, imagine? that's kind of a thing now, right? TikTok, you leak it. You already have a release date. Yo, should I drop this? Check it out. You know, you point, yeah. My dad with my you new point demo. My label's a- so mad. I'm leaking this, and it's like, yo, <laughs> nobody believes that anymore. All right, Dan and Jay, love you guys. Uh, congratulations. We'll talk to you soon. Love you, man. Bye, Thank you for the time. Bye, guys. It's the best bits of the week with Morgan Number Two. Well, that was another fabulous Best Bits, y'all. Thanks for hanging out with me, and I hope you really do enjoy this weekend. Maybe you're getting some good weather. We're about to head into Memorial Weekend next weekend. You're getting some plans figured out, or maybe you're resting up for all the festivities. Whatever it may be, I hope you have a fabulous weekend. Be sure to go check out Part 1 with Abby. It's like a conversation with friends that I think you guys will really enjoy. We also broke down our experience at iHeart Country Festival, and we spilled some tea. So if you want to sip on some tea while you're resting up, Go listen and follow me on all the things at WebGirlMorgan. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, you name it, I'm there. And of course, the show is also out there on all those things at Bobby Bones Show. And I would love if y'all check out some more content. BobbyBones.com if you want to catch any of these performances that I talked about. We got a whole bunch of stuff up there for y'all to go see on Bobby Bones or YouTube. Name your vice, whatever you like. I'll see you guys later. Have a great one. The Bobby Bones Show. Bobby Bones. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. 
And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.